The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Fucking... And welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am your host, JP John Paz. And with me today is a very special guest. She is a journalist, a YouTuber, an influencer, a blogger, also an MLW backstage announcer. She's known as the interview queen, Alicia Atut. Welcome to the two-man power trip. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing really well. Thank you for the lovely intro. Excited to be on here and ready to talk about whatever you got for me. <laughs> nice. Got to nail the intro. You know, you always have to... You probably know. You got to nail that intro. You do. First impressions. You got to start off hot. <laughs> yes. Yes. So what's going on in your world? What have you been up to? Oh, today has been absolutely crazy. Um, I filmed a couple things for MLW as we are getting ready for our massive tapings, our big, big comeback after a while. Uh, July 10th in Philly, 2300 Arena. So filmed a couple things. Uh, then after that, I had two interviews today. I now host for KnotFest, which is Slipknot's festival. So I did that live stream, which I do every single weekday at 4 p.m. EST. And yeah, just getting my little cheap plugs in there and keeping busy. So it's been a it's been a good day though. <laughs> How'd you get involved with Notfest? That's pretty cool. Yeah, so they actually reached out to me a couple months ago and said, hey, we're looking to start up this whole Twitch network and we would love for you to be one of our hosts. And at first I had to research who it came from uh, to make sure, because I'd heard of the management company, just to make sure it was real. Because I was like, what Slipknot's festival want me to host for them? Like, this is too good to be true. And then right. of course... He was like, everything was legit. And I was like, this is amazing. So uh, we just hit it off right away, the crew and I. And they were like, yeah, this is going to work. And we've been running now for a little over a month. And it's been absolutely wonderful. Every day I host a stream. As I mentioned, it's uh, 4 p.m. EST, 1 p.m. PT on their Twitch channel. And I have guests on, like some amazing, amazing bands and artists from all around the world, uh, usually in the rock or metal genre. And we just get to shoot the breeze and talk about movies and music and watch stuff together. And yeah, it's been an absolute treat so far. It's awesome. Very cool. Are you a big Slipknot fan? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I've interviewed Corey Taylor before. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Actually, awesome. Yes, yeah, when he was actually in town with uh, Stone Sour, funny enough. And then I was in Finland uh, working for a music festival over there called Rockfest. And while I was out there doing my work, Slipknot were performing, so I saw them there, and it just, like, blew my mind. So the fact that a band of that kind of notoriety and 
just everyone respects Slipknot like they're incredible so the fact that uh you know they're very involved with the project and they were like hey yeah we're cool with her being a host I was like and then the coolest part is we have, uh, of course, have Office Iowa coming up in September, September 25th. And that is a huge, huge uh, one day show that we're doing. And so I get to be there for that. And it's just the whole thing is just full of amazing opportunities, and really good people and great music. So like it's been the coolest gig. It's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And Stone Sour, of course, with Corey is awesome, too. So good. Which do you like better, Stone Sour or Slipknot? Oh, I mean, he's like one of my bosses, so I'm not even going to choose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna play it safe on that one. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you might say, "Wait, what? What's going on here? Why, why yeah, do you like yeah. one more or the other?" Yeah, it's they true. are both great. I mean, technically, it's like I'm working for a company that works for Slipknot, and then even now I'm working directly for them, doing like that one site not fest stuff. So yeah, I'm just gonna. Both are great. <laughs> so with MLW, just to kind of get back to what you're doing now, July yes. 10th is the big show at the ECW Arena, 2300 Arena for for the new people. What's been going on for that show? I know there's big drafts going on. Court Bauer's been all over the place. Vice TV. What's going like? What's the latest with MLW? Yeah, so the latest was actually announced very, very recently. We have been buzzing behind the scenes, just getting ready for this huge show with fans, I might add, which is just going to be like so fun. Uh, we had tapings back in October, and unfortunately, just due to circumstances, we did not have fans there. And I can just see the boys come out and like everyone misses the roar and the chants and the booze. So I'm really excited for that. But we have been doing the 2021 Open Draft. And every week, Thursday at 7 p.m., I'm announcing people that are either signing with MLW or people who are going to be coming aboard. Oh no, I said aboard, uh, but coming over to do a couple shows here and there. And there have been some really great people we have drafted recently. And uh, so we've been having that coming up. And then also we announced that at those Philly tapings, we are going to be doing the Battle Riot. And that is where we have 40 people in the ring. Uh, and it's just going to be absolute mayhem. And I'm so excited. And there's going to be a lot of really cool surprises for that. So we're just keeping busy, always uh, kind of uh, growing and reinventing things. And yeah, I'm psyched. Very, very cool. And of course, Philly. I mean, the, the fans just in general over there, great wrestling crazy. fans, but they're also crazy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And I mean that in an endearing way, but even when I came out doing promos last time, like they were chanting my name, everyone was wild. It was just such a good time. So I love the fact that that's where we're going to be for the first time with fans. Uh, and that is not a detriment to any other state whatsoever or city, I mean. But um, yeah, anytime we're in Philly, it's just a crazy time. So it's a good, good time to kick it off. And then afterwards, we're going to be doing Dallas in September. And then we have Chicago in November. So we're hitting up like some of my favorite places to go. It's going to be great. And I saw they just announced full capacity fans because I know at first they were putting everybody into little sections, but now full capacity. That's pretty cool. Yeah, as each state decides to kind of open up a little bit and everyone's getting vaccinated, we're able to uh, obviously comply with their rules. But as soon as things open up, the floodgates are open and we can also go along with that. So the fact that now we can have full capacity and sell more tickets and uh, people have a chance who weren't able to get tickets before, it's, it's fantastic. It's great. With you and MLW, it's funny. I was like watching you cut a promo, and I'm like, "Wow, she's cutting promos now." Were you always like uh, into <sighs> the the wrestling aspect of it, besides just being the backstage announcer? You know, like really getting into developing a character. 
Uh, thank you. I'm trying to think of which one you may have seen because I've been like, I've been intense lately. It's been yeah. so great. But uh, it's one of those things where I have always enjoyed it in terms of being the backstage host. But I've realized, and I don't mean this in an egotistical way, but I've realized I bring a lot more to the table than just holding a microphone. Like I know how to play off the boys. I have my own opinions. If someone's yelling at me, <laughs> Richard Holiday, like I'm not just going to take it. You know, I'm not that kind of person. So why would I be when it comes to wrestling? So it's really been able to be a whole other opportunity for me and the fact that MLW support it and they're like hey we hired you for you like we love this keep rolling with it you can cut a promo you can uh, lead to other avenues and opportunities I'm, I eat it up I love it so uh, the fact that they're letting me have many different hats on this head like it's so cool it's so exciting and this is only the beginning like there is a lot more planned and a lot more to come so yeah I'm pumped <laughs> I was thinking about the Richard Holiday one because uh, that was like, wow, look at that. Like, she's got uh, some character, some range here. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's the thing. A lot of people will see a backstage host, and by no means am I saying all of them, but a lot of the role is to stand there, say the lines that are pre written for you, hold the mic, and then the scene ends. And I never wanted to just be a face, I wanted to be an actual persona. And the fact that I can do that now, it's the best feeling ever. And I'm not even putting on an act. Like I can just be myself and uh, it comes naturally. So the fact that I am going to be cutting more promos and doing some in-ring stuff in terms of not wrestling, but just going out there and being on the mic and knowing I can do it, like that's a real confidence booster. Uh, and I, yeah. I hope it shows people who doubted me in the beginning, especially in locker rooms, that, hey, I'm, I'm a lot more than what you might think. I can excel at one thing, but there's plenty more going on behind that one thing you might know me for. I know it's natural, but where does the character come from? Is there like an influence there or is there something you've seen before where you're like, I, I can bring this out of myself? Like, where does that kind of emanate from? Honestly, I have gone through quite a bit lately just in terms of being done with stuff and being treated a certain way. So it's just been like my life. <laughs> it's really just been my life. I've had it up to here with some stuff and I know what I deserve. So anytime someone does try to cross me, whether in my day-to-day -day life or wrestling, I'm just not going to have it. So it's kind of me, but cranked to 11 in a sense. And uh, the one person in wrestling that I've always just loved and tried to emulate in just certain circumstances would be Mean Gene, just because like, what an icon. Anytime he was on the screen, you were watching him just as much as the, you know, iconic wrestler beside him. So yeah, I guess it's a mix between just being myself and then trying to get in some of those little jokes and jabs that he would get in once in a while. Well, not once in a while, pretty much all the time. <laughs> yeah, yes, he was the best. He's the one guy, like, he plays the straight guy, but he'll throw in there, you know, the the certain attitude or, you know, or, yes. he'll bring, or, or he can bring it back and be really serious if that's the case. But then if somebody's being a wise-ass, don't he'll be a wise-ass. I mean, he yeah. had such great range, but it's so funny. He was great at, like, the straight man, and all of a sudden, Boom, Mean Gene would attack. Yeah, 100%. And that's kind of one of the things I like is you don't always just have to be monotone, ask the question, and then it's on to the next match or the next promo. Like you can actually have range as a backstage interviewer or a host. And it doesn't have to be one note. And that's been just the most fun to be able to tap into and just seeing I can do it because this is never something I thought I could excel in. And I was told so many times I couldn't. So now I'm just out here you know, with a big like FU attitude, I'm going to do what I want. And uh, MLW have been really supportive of where we're going with it. So, yeah. How did you actually, when, when MLW kind of approached you, like, how does that happen? Does it like a Court Bauer approaches you to do? Like, how did you get in? Yeah. So I had an email come through 
oh gosh, what would it have been like late 2019? Uh, I think it was maybe like November 2019. And they said, hey, we'd really love to have you come out to our December tapings in New York. We've heard good things about you and we just like to see how it goes. So in my mind, I didn't really see it as a contractual kind of thing at that point. I just thought, okay, like this will be like maybe a one-off, two-off kind of gig. This sounds great. MLW is awesome. Let's just go. So I fly down there and then I kind of hear talks of like, oh, we'll see how this goes. If you like us and we're everything, that we kind of, you've heard about us and we live up to it and vice versa with you, maybe we can talk some more. And then I was literally there for three hours. And then one of my bosses, Jared, uh, approaches me. And he's like, hey, we'd like to talk contracts with you. And I was like, what? And at the time I knew that other companies were also interested in me, but it was kind of one of those weird situations, just being very blunt where it was a waiting game. And you think, am I going to wait forever? Am I going to be waiting a week? What do I do? So I spoke with them. I said, Hey, give me just a little bit of time to think this through. Cause it's a huge decision, especially when you sign a multi-year deal. And I thought it through, we went back and forth. I told them what I need and they kind of said their expectations. And it's just obviously I have a pen to paper <laughs> and uh, I'm on my second year now. And it's just been a wonderful experience. I've never left a taping or a meeting with anyone from the company or even like a hangout with any of the dudes and just felt off or weird. It's just been a great experience there so far. And I always hear about people signing to different places and they have such horror stories to tell. So for me, the fact that it has been smooth sailing and they've given me this platform and they've just let me be me, I'm very appreciative of that to both Jared and Core and everyone else behind the scenes, but especially those two, they've really just been like amazing supporters in many different ways. So it's been really good there. It's been really good. Is there a quote unquote script like WB would do, or is this much more free form? You kind of have a bullet points and, and go. So there's definitely bullet points in terms of, hey, we need to make sure that we mention so-and-so is facing so-and-so because, of course, we do have a show and crazy matches to promote. But a lot of the stuff you see, especially the gold, is stuff that we have completely done off the cuff. Like my favorite, some of my favorite promos are ones that are just ridiculous or off the off the charts. Uh, there was one that I did with Holiday and Hammer and we were just bickering back and forth saying the most ridiculous things and it's just lines come out of nowhere because the whole thing is in the moment you're really angry at these guys or they're really annoyed with me. So when we can actually just be honest and say how we're feeling about each other but the camera's rolling, I think the most like the best promos come from that way because you can feel when something's scripted or someone's trying to remember their lines and that's always very uncomfortable for me to watch anyways as a viewer. So I never want people to watch MLW and think that and so far, I don't I don't ever feel like that's the case. Yeah, other places, not going to say where. It definitely seems like somebody's reading off a script, but in their head, yeah. reading yes, it off. This is robotic. Exactly, and it's it, that's the best word. And it's very robotic, and it feels forced almost. And that's why I just like being loose and saying what I want within within reason, of course. Like, we are in a professional atmosphere. Right, but right. then again, it's wrestling. So if you want to tell someone to screw off, you can, and that's a, a great thing. Or if you want to tell a wrestler, hey, that match was amazing, and give them a hug, then you can. So uh, whatever you're feeling in the moment, we, we rock it at MLW. And I think that's like the rawness, the grit that we bring to the table. Yeah, it's definitely different product than some of the other stuff. Is that like a selling point of court? Like we got to be different. We can't be exactly what you're going to see everywhere else. I think it's important because when you watch wrestling, a lot of it does blend together. And of course, there are some standout promotions, but a lot of it, a lot of the mainstream stuff is very similar. So I think when it does come to our matches, the fact that uh, just, I, I always use this word, but like the pure grit of it. I'll see guys finish a match. They're all sweaty. They're handed a mic and then they just give these completely off the cuff, heartwarming promos. And I'm like, holy shit, like that was, a oh, sorry. I don't know if I can curse on here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> 
um, or I'll, I'll do the PG version. Holy shnikes. Um, like what an incredible promo. He just like laid his heart out on the line. And I don't know. It's just, just that rawness that comes with every aspect of our show and the production. I just, as a fan, I eat it up. So the fact that you get to be a part of it just makes you happy. You know, it's, it's different. It's different. And Vice TV. That's pretty, uh, pretty cool. Obviously pretty new. What do you think about Vice and that relationship? I was psyched. I used to watch so many documentaries on that uh, growing up and in my teenage years. And the fact that we come on before Dark Side of the Ring, like that is one of the hottest shows going today in wrestling on Vice. So the fact that we are on the same channel as them is amazing. The fact that we are kind of doing that whole nostalgic uh, noon slot as well is super, super cool. So uh, as soon as we announced that, I was absolutely pumped. You know, the more eyes we can get on this brand, the more that we'll realize, you know, MLW is no longer the best kept secret, <laughs> as we say. So I think it's just really important that people realize there's so much wrestling out there and you might know the names that have been around for ages and ages and have been running constantly, but like there's other stuff out there and it's really, really good. And uh, that's something we pride ourselves on is the fact we have huge names coming in and then we have people who we are signing or have been with us for a bit. Um, and they aren't names that are as big, but they're incredible wrestlers and their names will be huge. So I, I love that. I love the whole dynamic and the diversity of that. And Vice seems very wrestling orientated. Like you said, Dark Side of the Ring, you guys, they have this China documentary coming out too. So right. a lot of uh, big time wrestling stuff coming out of Vice, more and more. Nope, it definitely feels like a great home. And the fact that you can watch in so many different countries all over the place, like if you mention Vice to majority of people, they're going to know what you're talking about. So they can say, yeah, we're on that channel. And that's, that's pretty dope, you know? So, and of course, you can still catch us on a bunch of like different things like Roku, um, Pluto. We have um, uh, DAZN. We're also on YouTube every single week. So, I mean, you can literally catch us on so many different streaming services. It's fantastic. And now television. You guys are everywhere. Literally, you guys are everywhere. Yeah, and it's only going to get bigger. <laughs> Seems like it. What do you think mm -hmm. about the roster? Because so many people are like, oh, who's in MLW? Jacob Fatu, Devon Eriks, Holiday, Hammerstone. I mean, it's a pretty good roster as far as if people aren't familiar. They should get familiar with those guys maybe first. Yeah, no, 100%. It's one of those things. Like, I was kind of just briefly mentioning before there will be names where you're like oh who is that and then as soon as you see them in the ring you're like oh my gosh like i need to watch everything this guy has done and then there'll be people who you will be more familiar with or they have these crazy just like fatu and the von erics they have such incredible history when it cut or even gino uh who i'm not on good terms with right now after our, right. our finale but you know <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll call it when i have to call it you know there's a lot of very cool family history and heritage and it's just I walk into the locker room, I see all the faces, and I just think, oh, this, like, this is such a great brotherhood. Everyone is not only talented and does their job, but they're just good people. So it's a, it's a great place to be, and I'm just – I couldn't be happier with the roster. And the fact that we are signing even more people that are fantastic, like, bring it on. <laughs> I know somebody who you had a big problem with that is not a part of MLW anymore, but Selena De La Renta, your, your BFF over there. I know you yeah. guys had a lot of heat, a lot of problems with each other. Yep, she she did, thanks to El Jefe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank the character you, is dead. Duran. <laughs> yeah, character she is, is dead. Yes, yes, she is something else. Uh, we have had a lot of back and forth over the last few years. At times, she will treat me like her best friend. At times, she will treat me like her greatest enemy, even though I've done nothing to her. So, uh, very happy 
that she is not there because I won't have to deal with her bullshit anymore. But at the same time, those moments where we were more friends than enemies, kind of, you know, the, the frenemies part that I, I feel the love a little bit. Uh, it's, I'm going to miss her in those circumstances. So am I happy she's gone? Very. Uh, but then again, like she was an asset. So, you know. <laughs> what's up? What's her beef? What's her problem? I don't know. If I knew, then I wouldn't. I, I don't know what her problem is. I think she was just one of those people. I think she's just one of those people that uh, was just born an asshole, you know, and you just can't, she just can't shed it. So <laughs> I think that's it. Yep. Seems like you guys are always fighting on Twitter. We are. Cause she starts it. She gave up my phone number the other day and my phone keeps just ringing off the hook and it's so frustrating. That's a, a pretty big time prank. Uh, giving out somebody's phone number. So people, you know, Ring them off the hook. That's a low blow completely. And she knows the kinds of people that are out there. I'm getting photos, voicemails, texts, phone calls. I muted my, like, I had to mute my actual incoming calls and texts. And so when I go to actually look for important ones, I have to scroll through, like, hundreds of random numbers. It's just (laughs) so aggravating. I hate her. I hate her. (laughs) It's gone now, though. El El Jefe uh, will be, uh, you know, a bigger role in, in MLW now. Oh, yeah. I'm so, so excited because even though he's a force to be reckoned with, and then again, I don't even know if he likes me. Like, he is such a dangerous, scary man. But because he took out my enemy, I'm hoping I can use that to my advantage and kind of approach him at these upcoming Philly tapings in July and just be like, hey, I know you're I know you're aware of me. We haven't met before. I know you're a dangerous man, but you're a dangerous man whose side I would like to be on, the, the good side of. So that's kind of my my elevator pitch, shall we say, for yes. uh, Philadelphia. But yeah, hopefully he'll respect that we had an enemy in common and we can continue taking out every uh, douchebag. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, as they say. Indeed. <laughs> What do you think about Aztec Underground and that kind of uh, being a bit of a shocker and, and him being you know, the El Jefe and him being a surprise? Pretty cool moment for MLW there. Amazing. As soon as he turned around, like I knew before he turned around just from the voice, but I was like, oh, my God, it's actually going to be him. This is so cool because Court likes to do this thing where he'll be like, oh, huge surprise coming. And then he'll kind of like wait for us to find out about it either right before or with the actual fans live. He just loves surprising us. And as much as I love that, because I love being surprised, I'm also like, Court, just tell me now. But for that season finale, I didn't, I still didn't know who El Jefe was until I watched it live with fans. So as soon as I saw him turn around, I was like, yeah, I get to work with him. You know, it's it's, it's such an iconic uh, persona. And I just think it's going to be great seeing what we can do. And right now he's signing a bunch of people uh, as a part of the MLW committee with all the different promotions that we're doing right now. And that's still ever growing behind the scenes. So I think it's going to be very, very cool to uh, work with him, like I said before, and also see who he brings to MLW. Because I know he has his eyes on some of the hottest luchadors out there. Nice. As far as you, were you always a big wrestling fan? Were you, were you something that like you loved wrestling when you were little? Yeah. So when I was a kid, my dad would always watch it. So it was just always on the television. And being that I was so young, I would just plop on the couch beside him and watch whatever was on there. <laughs> and so a lot of people growing up, like I absolutely loved Edge, The Rock, John Cena, Mick Foley. Cause there were always just so many different Shawn Michaels, uh, Cody Rhodes. Like I watched so many different eras. And as I grew up, I would watch older stuff and I watched the stuff that was on you know live so i really did grow up with like a melting pot of loving so many different wrestlers and eras of of wrestling so 
yeah, it's been in my life for like over two, I'm 26 now. So since that's probably like three or four. So a long time, <laughs> a long time. Yeah. Are you a student of the game? Oh gosh. <laughs> so it's one of those things when I'm asked that I take it one of two ways. So, uh, <laughs> one of the ways I take it is I'm always asked, Alicia, are you going to get into wrestling? Are you going to actually want to take that route? Um, probably not. I'll take a bump or two if I got it. I'll throw some people around. But in terms of anything other than that, um, probably not. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's one of those things where uh, there's so many great people in wrestling. And anytime I'm asked that, I'm like, do I tiptoe with my situation? So right. I'll, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. But um, I'll, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> No getting into the ring then, probably. Probably not. No. Um, like I said, if I have to take a bump or two, then I'm definitely willing to to do that. But at the same time, I don't really feel like the need to, if that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. I see the way that these guys come back from matches and they're just so beat up and sometimes bloody and torn up. And I'm just like my heart goes out to them. And I know that they're choosing to do it, but at the same time, it's like it's dangerous. And I'm not the most athletic of people and I bruise like a peach. So if I can get in the ring in terms of like having to throw someone around or taking like the odd bump and just staying on the microphone, then uh, that's as far as this student is going to go. <laughs> what about like tape study? I know Mean Gene probably, but do you like study tape and old wrestling and things like that? So in terms of studying it, just in my circumstance, like there are a lot of old promos I would watch, especially the Mean Gene stuff with, um, ultimate warrior and then a lot of like just the just a lot of the very old stuff like the macho man stuff oh my god the macho man stuff especially uh yeah learned a lot from that <laughs> but um it's just interesting watching him because he has so many different dynamics and that was something i really wanted to work into to me being on camera so that's kind of the only one i would watch and then I guess like when Renee had unfiltered, she started doing that as a huge show. And when I watched, it, I was like, whoa, I relate to this so much because it's literally like I'm watching my interviews. They're very conversational. They're very chill. So that was kind of the other thing. But I never really watched that to learn. It was more so like, oh, I'm doing the same thing. Like, that's really cool to see it on such a big platform. It means that there's a demand for it. And I've been doing it for like for years. This is great. So it was more so that kind of connection uh, rather than emulating it. But like, yeah, she's she's fantastic as well, obviously. But um, that's about it in terms of like actual studying. Like I'll still watch it, but in terms of like paying attention and wanting to pick up tidbits, that's kind of to the extent. Now you said you started at a young age as far as interviews, right? I mean, how old were you when you started your interview game? Yeah, when I, I started when I was seventeen, so we're going oh, on wow. very close to a decade. I started very young. The first couple of years, uh, a lot of it was just I was in high school still. And I'd go to concerts and after or before the concert, I'd pull a band aside, ask them like two questions and that was it. And then I started working with companies like Universal Music, Sony and Warner. Uh, and then they would actually pitch me really big bands after seeing like, oh, this girl's out here hustling. Let's like give her a couple opportunities. So it went from my two question interviews, which I used to call 2Q video interviews. And then it went from that to, you know, some slightly smaller indie bands to Metallica, you know, like <laughs> and Motorhead and Yoko Ono and uh, Dua Lipa, like uh, Charlie Puth. So all over the map in terms of genre, very eclectic, but all really big names. So once that kind of started out, I think I was maybe like, maybe like two and a half years into it when the bigger names started coming in where I was like, oh, this is consistent. This is great. And I started to realize, yeah, I'm going to just 
I'm just going to graduate from high school and get right into this because there, there, there's a lot of opportunity here. So although I was young, I'm not saying I was great from the jump because I was not. <laughs> you have to learn. Uh, and it was just a hobby, but it now is a hobby turned full time gig. So it's crazy to think it was that long ago. And uh, at first it was just a hobby completely. So I didn't really it's hard to count it like, oh, I've been doing this for nine years, but I've been doing it for like seven years. Well, <laughs> yeah. and I'm still growing, still growing. Any kind of influence or inspiration behind the hobby? Like when you first started, was there anybody you're like, eh, I really like this style? Like, you know, like that Barbara Walters type type uh, interview. Did anybody like catch your eye? Like, oh, they influenced me. Honestly, not at all. I, uh, as a teenager, I went to so many concerts. So my my inspiration was let's get some free concert tickets and then interview the band after. Like, <laughs> let's meet let's meet some idols for free and not pay yeah. for a hundred and one hundred fifty dollar meet and greets. Like that was genuinely my outlook back then because it wasn't a job. I was a teenager and I just wanted to meet the bands I love and not waste their time or anything or even geek out. Like I've never really been a fangirl kind of person, but just to go and get to connect with people. And then when I realized, oh my gosh, like this is catching on, this is getting views, all of these publicists and managers are like giving me great feedback. That's when I started to realize, oh, you could turn this into a job if you wanted. Like, we'll see where it goes, worst case, even if it's a couple of years, you can always go to school down the line, like who knows, but it stuck and it worked. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was less about trying to kind of uh, emulate somebody and more just, oh, like, let's have fun with this. And then next thing you know, I eventually started to take it more seriously but um yeah it's very very all very organic very organic what's like your favorite type of music as far as or are you all over the map i'm everywhere one day i'll listen to motown then 70s and then i'll have like a new wave day and i love like my early 2000s emo and punk rock and i'm just like gangster rap i am everywhere <laughs> so i can't narrow it down to one it's all oh, it's so hard with you doing interviews and stuff, I know a lot of people would think like, well, how do you grow? Because you have, what, 65,000, whatever it is, um, YouTube followers, maybe more, uh, millions upon millions of views. Like, how do you, how'd you start really growing the brand where not only are you getting big interviews, but you're also getting noticed, you're getting attention, you're getting right. views? One of the things I realized at first, I was like, oh, it's just about the bands, you know, it's just about the wrestlers. And I'm just like the person kind of conducting the conversation. And I had a really long talk with a couple of people and they were like, a lot of the comments are saying they're just here for you and the band or the wrestlers like an added bonus. And again, like no dig at anyone I'm ever or I've ever sat down with, but it's like it started to click. You can be an attraction, too, and it doesn't have to be about you but you can also be a personality. So once I started to realize that, I was like, ooh, you can actually like grow this into something. I started going on Instagram randomly and seeing all of these influencers out there who had millions of followers I had never heard of, you know? And a lot of them just post pictures and that's it. Like they didn't actually have a beginning. They were just like good looking or came from, like it was just a very bizarre thing. So I started seeing that and realizing, whoa, this is like a thing. I started to just put myself out there more, which was very hard to do at the beginning, being like a teenager with very low self-confidence. And it was a lot. But at some point, I was just like, screw it. You know, like someone has something mean to say. I don't I don't care. Let them say it. And then once I had that attitude, kind of like the one I have now, but like tenfold in wrestling, uh, once I started to get that attitude, I realized, man, you can like you can do anything. You can grow as much as you want. And of course, it's going to take time. But as long as you have patience and continue to hustle, then, yeah, you're good to go. <laughs> Did you find it like easy for you and natural to just, you know, get get the interviews and, you know, nail it and really just kind of develop into what you've developed into today? 
I would say after the first year, maybe two years, when I started actually doing the in-person stuff and doing interviews longer than like two minutes, it definitely started to feel more organic. I realized people feel very comfortable with me. I noticed a lot of people in interviews are very like uptight and kind of like, oh, when's this over? You can just see it on their faces. But people were just really chill. And I just kept getting comments. Oh, this feels like a conversation. This feels like two best friends talking. So once I started to see that, I realized, okay, there's something here. So once you kind of get confidence from that side of things, you realize like you're not being egotistical or crazy. Like people actually like this. And I think the biggest turning point for me was when I did um, All In for the Bucks and Cody and they hired me to host as the only female backstage interviewer in a team of five. And I was with like some incredible talent. And once I started to realize that, like once that moment happened, it just hit for it. It just hit for some reason. And I realized, okay, if these guys, literally the hottest guys in the industry right now, want you to host, like you've got something that people want. And from there, I had that mentality. Okay, let's just shoot for everything. Request any interview you want, request any collaboration you want. And worst case, you get a no. Like I don't expect to get a yes every time. Uh, that would just be ridiculous. But if you don't, if you don't ask, you never know. So it's kind of been my uh my whole outlook on everything, the whole motto. How'd you get in with them? Like, did Cody reach out? Like, who reaches out as far as when you did All In? Yeah, so originally I interviewed all of them, because this was back at the time that they were with ROH. So I interviewed all of them at that show. I, I was the Bucks, Omega, and Cody. And uh, after that, we just kind of, like, would randomly keep in touch, like, just very on and off. And then I heard all these rumors about an all in happening being hosted by the Bucks and Cody and Kenny. And I was like, Oh my God, it sounds amazing. So I sent Cody a text just kind of joking, but with like a slight undertone of seriousness, like, Hey, if you need anyone for this, you might know a girl, like it was something very cheeky, like that playful. Mm-hmm. And the next thing, you know, they were like, yeah, we want you to be our host. And I was like, or like our, one of our backstage interviewers announcers. And I was like, crazy and it was just very it was just like that and to this day like I'll exchange like very random texts or whatever it might be um just to kind of like make sure I also keep in contact and just so they know how fortunate I was for those opportunities because they gave me that also uh, I hosted the very first double or nothing as a backstage host so I'm just very grateful for those opportunities because it's no joke being in front of audiences and stages like that and it's a very pivotal part of my career where I realized like it's kind of one of those like cheesy things to say, but like a know your worth kind of situation. So they helped me a lot with that. So I definitely always try to continue, whether it's with the likes or little check-ins and stuff, just so, you know, they know I appreciate it. <laughs> Any pressure or fear or anything being, you know, in that position? Is it nerve wracking at all? Honestly, at that point, I had been doing the wrestling stuff for a couple of years and I never had an interview really go badly. I knew what I brought to the table. So I was more so just really excited. Like I was very excited. I remember the moment that my promo with Kenny aired and just hear like hearing it and knowing it was on the screen and just seeing like hearing everyone erupt. People got up because it was him and my feed going absolutely crazy on my phone. Like the alerts were ridiculous. And I just was like, deep breath. You did a good job. <laughs> you know, um, I don't think I'd ever say yes to something if I really felt like I was going to mess it up. So I've said yes to everything my entire life because worst case you trip up a little bit and you know, you learn from it. So yeah, I, uh, I felt very confident going into that, like, and not in an egotistical way, just like, I know I can do an interview, especially when it's a, a like 30 second promo. Like I got this. <laughs> yes. 
with double or nothing AEW, did you ever think like, oh, maybe I know bef- maybe this was before the MLW contract, but do you ever think like, oh, maybe I'll work AEW or, or that's a path or that wasn't really a thought as far as being there full time? No, it was definitely a thought. And I had spoken to them about it a couple of times. And then it got to the point where I was kind of waiting on a reply. And then being Canadian, we're like, oh, can we make this work? And I know, oops. And then I know that they were speaking with a couple of other people. And uh, I know some of the wrestlers, like they brought in like a couple of their daughters to do stuff. And so at that point, it was kind of like, all right, am I going to wait for this? Am I going to take other opportunities that are coming? At that point, my music stuff was really going crazy too. And like I was trying, and I was tra- able to travel a lot is what, what I mean by that. So I was like in Europe for stuff. And then an MLW approached me like a month after and everything just felt good. So I was like, you know what, this is, this just feels right. So that's kind of why I went that route, but it was definitely something that I entertained. Again, I don't know where they were exactly because it was never like a finalized conversation, but I do know that there was interest. So yeah, it's just one of those things, you know, it's just, it's just a timing thing. One of those weird, like life timing things it's just interesting like the way things work out like okay it doesn't work out here but i'm still doing mlw you know what i mean like somebody else kind of picks up where where maybe where maybe the other person falls off or if there's any time lapsed it's like mlw scooped in but then not fest and everything else comes after it right and that's the that's kind of the beauty of it all it's like i've never been somewhere to leave somewhere and have any spite or anything it's one of those things where like you take every opportunity and you're so grateful for it and if something doesn't work out or something isn't what you envisioned or like whatever it might be when it comes to my wrestling or my uh music stuff you just roll with the punches like there have been times where there's an interview i absolutely wanted so badly and for whatever reason it would fall through or the guy didn't make it to the show because his flight got canceled and then someone else would show up and i'm like oh yeah that's dope like i get to interview this person uh instead not that it's like better or worse than the person before but at least it's something else to fill in that void so i've always kind of tried to be especially as of late be positive in that sense where it's like oh man if one thing's not going my way or if I'm like waiting on something something else comes up and you're like oh that's amazing so yeah it's always just kind of taking it as it goes you never know what can happen in the future and that's why I'm always just trying to like show respect for people and everything because you never know what opportunity is going to knock next even if it's one that passed and is going to come back around so yeah life is very weird in that sense definitely definitely didn't you work for impact as well yeah I worked for backstage stuff yeah so that was a freelance kind of thing just like with the AEW stuff whenever they came to canada i would host for them and then they started doing tapings in the states so they figured it'd be just simpler to use somebody over there which they ended up doing and then they gave me a show with uh, santino or anthony corelli we hosted like a twitch show for months and months together uh yeah and then things just kind of like I stopped working there and then I started doing the AEW stuff. And then from AEW is when the MLW stuff came about. And I was very grateful that within the span of like a year, I was working for literally like three of the best promotions out there. It was crazy. And I learned a lot from each. So, yeah, it's like MLW, Impact, AEW, you're everywhere. You're working for all yeah. the trusting promotions. Yeah, and it was great. It was like really funny because everyone's like, oh, she signed here, she signed there. And I'm like, I've literally been freelance my entire career until I put pen to paper with MLW. So fans can be crazy. Like everyone was rumored like, oh, she was signed here. She was la la la. And I'm like, you guys, you don't know what you're talking about, but whatever. All, all talk is good talk. But, uh, yep. Yeah, it's, it was a really fun kind of run because I got to see friends from every company. I got to have the exposure from every company and you know, it led me to where I am now, which I'm super grateful for. So 
what was it like being freelance for impact? Is it better sometimes to be freelance? Cause then you could do your other projects and your other things, or does that not even matter? You, you kind of work your way around and do what you want anyway. So it depends on your contract, really. Like with MLW, I came to them and I said, hey, I'd still like to be able to do this stuff because I wouldn't ever want to sign a contract where they're like, well, you can't do your YouTube channel or you can't do a podcast or uh, you can't do anything else that airs on television, even if it's music, you know? So I was very specific, but then other companies are like, no, you exclusively work for us. Then you can only do indies that have under like 500 fans or like some people are very specific. So I've heard some people who have like the most screwed up contracts ever and they regret them completely. And then I have other no other people who are happy in their circumstance. So uh, it's like kind of hard to answer simply because for me not having a contract at that place, like I don't know if it would have been good or bad, but I'm grateful that I didn't because then I was able to kind of do the other opportunities. Cause if back then I was locked down with them that I wouldn't have been able to do the next brand and so forth. So I think the timing of that works great, but at the same time, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think it, I think it worked out well. <laughs> With Canada now, is Canada's not still on lockdown? Is it just not in general, not contract lockdown? I mean, like physical pandemic lockdown. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of loosening up a little bit. We actually uh, tomorrow we're having the first kind of opening for the next stage, but where they were just talking about the borders and loosening that up, and I think we're very close to like seventy percent of people being vaccinated for the first dose. So it's it's loosening up, but it's by no means like I know full states that are open. And I'm just like. Oh my god so uh, it's not quite not quite that but um they're just playing it safe and slow and hoping everyone gets their vaccines and do their due diligence so we can all just move forward and actually all be safe so gotcha now yeah. as far as interviews because i'm kind of uh not, not at your level but i mean i always make requests sometimes you get them sometimes you don't like your process of doing that not not to reveal anything but your process for doing that there are, I know there are ways like to contact this person, contact that person. Do you just go straight for the person or do you go for their management? Like, uh, or, or are you like me, you'll, you'll, you scour social media, you get their email you know, all around. Like, how do you get the interviews? Cause you always seem to be able to land some pretty great guests, Thank not, you. not to, not to give away any secrets or anything, but just yeah, in, in no. a vague sense. Yeah. It's honestly a combination of everything you just mentioned. Sometimes I'll see someone have an email in their bio and I'm like, all right, time to hit that up. And they reply. Sometimes someone will have open DMs. And because uh, I'm verified, it comes up in the verify tab. So from that, it's like, oh, okay, like maybe let's check this out. Uh, sometimes you can only get something because of their management or if they're like a wrestling promotion, you have to go through their publicist. So literally sometimes that, that is the only way to get through to some people. So it's a complete melting pot of all those things. And I'm just very like, if it's what I want, I'm going to find a way to get it. And worst case, if they reply and it's a no, then at least you got through somehow. And for whatever reason, like that's up to them. And again, they don't owe you anything. So I've, I tried pretty much every route that's out there, every route possible. And uh, luckily it has worked out that way, you know? And when I pitched, I say, Hey, this is me. I work for, you know, a great wrestling company on TV. I have my YouTube channel. I'm verified on every platform and I've interviewed, you know, I'll, I'll list off a couple of the biggest names and, a lot of the time, the people I'm requesting are smaller than those bigger names. So I think they see that and they're like, okay, if she's interviewed so-and-so, then she, they get, you know, I don't mean that in a rude way whatsoever, but it's like, right. you know, sometimes I'm requesting people who have millions of followers and sometimes I'm requesting people that have like 2,000. So it's, uh, it also depends on where they're at as well and if they even care to do, do an interview. 
How do you go for like who you want to interview? Is it just your passion, who you like, or you see somebody wants to promote something and you kind of go that route, or is it a mix of both? Honestly, it's never really the latter. It's more so, oh, okay, like this band seems awesome. Or, I've loved this band for forever. Or, oh my gosh, this wrestler just did something really cool. Let's talk to them. Or, oh wow, I've loved this wrestler since I was three. Let's ask them to be on my show. So it's more so from that sense of just like passion, seeing someone doing something cool, uh, wanting to talk to someone about an album or an opportunity that they had. Uh, so it's more so that route. You find it easier as you're growing and becoming more popular, easier to get people like maybe that, that the first or second year you didn't get all of a sudden, you know, you're verified, you have millions of views oh, yeah. and now it's like, Oh no, we'll definitely do your show now. Yeah. We want that exposure. No, for sure. I think the more you grow in any aspect, it just looks good on paper. Like if you click something and they have 100,000 followers and they're verified, I'm going to see that verified blue tick and think, oh, they must be important, even if they're completely not. So it's one of those things where a lot of social media is a facade, which is like very unfortunate. And I always like to say like the numbers don't matter personally to me. It's not like a self-worth like, oh, every follower I get, like, look at me. It's more so like, now I can say I have however many K go to somebody and say, this is what I'm bringing to the table. So it definitely matters as I continue to grow. I feel like I'll only get bigger and better things, hopefully, because that's just kind of like, that's just the way it works. So uh, yeah, I think it's definitely something that attributes to being able to get these interviews. Do you have anybody on the bucket list you haven't been able to get, you really want to get maybe a few people on the bucket list you want to interview? Yeah, absolutely. I really want to interview John Cena and The Rock. And I know it's like literally two of the biggest names out there, but I've also interviewed other big names out there that I never thought I'd be in the same room with or have on my show. So although it's streaming big, I don't think it's that far fetched, which might sound crazy to some. Some people are probably like, who should think she is? And other people are like, yeah. And then I really want to interview uh gene simmons and paul stanley from kiss i had ace fraley on my show a couple a couple of months back which was just mind-blowing that's like, awesome yeah oh Jeez. god crazy so uh i would just love to have the star child and the demon on as well because i just i love kiss so much <laughs> have you seen them in concert yes yeah, so that same show i mentioned that i saw slipknot on kiss were headlining the following night with Def leopard so i got to see them at that concert in finland and I just remember standing there watching the perform and they started playing. Oh, what song was it? I was made for loving you. It's like in the encore. And I yep. just started crying during one of the most iconic rock and roll songs <laughs> of all time. Cause I just thought like my work, my hard work, um, just busting my chops for this long, like brought me not only to a foreign country where I got to work, which would have just been cool enough, but like just literally see one of my favorite bands of all time, uh, it just was amazing. And I got to meet them earlier in the day too, because the festival knew how much I loved them and like kind of hooked it up for me. So it was just a mind blowing day. Like I'll never forget that. <laughs> and I believe like call me crazy, but that might be the walkout song of the encore. Like when it's over, like everybody's yeah. <laughs> walking out to that song. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's very, it's kind of, it's slow, but it's a great song, but it, it it's a little slower. So everyone's kind of like, you get, get you emotional. Like, eh. and well, it's always like out. the, the chorus is like crazy in terms of like, ah, do, 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 yes. do, do. Yeah. and then it kind of just fades out to yes. them singing yeah. it over and over. So yeah, you could totally leave, but I didn't leave until the lights were off. You know, I was like, oh, and then there were crazy fireworks because it was the end of the festival. And it was like, a, it was, it's just so cheesy, but it was just like such a magical moment. It was incredible. <laughs> If anybody hasn't seen Kiss, I would definitely recommend seeing them just because not only the music is great, but 
the actual show that theatrics. they put on the theatrics yes. it's like like a WWE show with the fireworks and and mm -hmm. literally uh gene simmons going up to the roof paul stanley swinging yep. yep yep i mean it's crazy the uh the, the drum, they go crazy, the explosions. It's just an awesome show. Even if you're like, ah, on the fence about Kiss, it's an awesome show. I, I love them, but the concert, just over the over the moon with it, off the charts. Oh, yeah, there's the confetti, the fire. We had everything. Like, it was, they go all out every single night, and uh, they've been on this end of the road tour, or end of the world tour. Is it road or world? I don't remember. But they've been on it for like three years, four years. So you guys have probably like a long time to see them once once uh, we kick this pandemic to the curb. Yeah. So <laughs> definitely see them. <laughs> I was on that tour, I think it was two years ago. I'm like, is, are they going to end it? Nope, they're still going. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> and they got um, they got their own documentary coming out. You know, A&E had all the WB documentaries. Kiss has theirs. I'm so excited for that. Uh, as soon as they, they announced it almost like, I think it was only a week and a half ago. But when they announced it, I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Like, you, you can bet I'm 100% watching that. I saw it on the uh, Bret Hart documentary on A&E, and they were promoting that Kiss oh, okay. was going to have. So that's where I was, I was like, oh, I didn't even know that they were having it. It's pretty cool. I guess it's a two-night event, so it's going to be probably four hours yeah. instead of two. yeah. I saw it because Paul Stanley tweeted it. So I uh, <laughs> I saw that and I was just, oh, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> nice. Paul Stanley, apparently not as tall as you would think. Apparently he's very short. It was so hard for me to tell when I met them because they have those like 10, 15 inch boots on. So, you know, I'm 5'7", and that's fairly tall. So I was like, I can't, I was just looking up at them. Like, I can't tell how tall any of you are. They all have these crazy ass boots on, the space boots. <laughs> The only band that I can think like that comes close to them as far as the performance is ACDC with like the, the pyro. I don't know if you've okay. seen them live, but no. they are they go crazy. They, the Hell's Bells, they bring the bell, whole lot of mm -hmm. Rosie. They blow up an 100-foot like kind of chubby fat woman who's naked. They blow that thing up. They have explosions. They have guns. They have oh cannons. That's the only band that comes close as far as just like a stage show where you're like, wow, like that was crazy. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> yes. Now, as far as kind of, we said bucket list of, of people you, you haven't, who are some of your favorites that you have interviewed? Oh, gosh. Uh, this is always, this is very difficult to answer because in my time of doing this, I've done over 4,500 interviews. So it's just, it's like I can't even think of me sitting down with a single person right now. <laughs> like There's so many. But um, some that stood out just in terms of me being just, just emotional that they happen like anytime I think about that Metallica interview it just kind of blows my mind because when I interviewed Robert I think I was 19 and everyone else who was interviewing them that day they, they were a lot older than me and not that that like matters in that sense but I just remember being so nervous and thinking oh my gosh these guys have so much more um experience doing this and some of these DJs have been doing or interviewers have been doing this for like 20 years and I had been doing it for like two and I'm sitting there with one of the biggest bands in the world and then I sat down the interview was incredible I remember just going home and like hours after the interview just sitting there in bed thinking like holy shit, like, I cannot believe that just happened. So I'm not going to name, like, a bunch because then I'll leave people out, but I feel like that's, like, the one name you can drop because it's just, like, it was just mind-blowing to me. And then also would probably be Mick Foley because after interviewing him for the first time, we stayed in touch. And then when he was doing his 20 Years of Hell tour, he reached out yep. saying he wanted me to host it. And so I hosted a couple of shows here in Ontario for him in Canada. And, like, you're literally hosting for one of the greatest wrestlers of all time like literally a legend so uh that that was also like 
I'll never forget that. Same with Dustin Rhodes. I got to host a panel for him. And it's just all these people I used to watch growing up thinking like, oh, you're amazing. And now I'm like befriending them. It's crazy. That's awesome with Foley, like how that happens too. It's like you, you just keep in touch and it's like, hey, by the way, I'm having this gigantic tour that kind of represents a huge moment in my career with the Hell in a Cell. Like, hey, you want to host I me? Mean, that's a pretty yeah. high praise, a high respect. Yeah, it just, these guys can pick anybody. And there's so many other people who have been doing this longer than I have. And again, like, just like with the age I mentioned before, it doesn't mean that I'm worse or better. It doesn't mean they're worse or better. But you just think like out of everyone you could have chose, like, that's amazing. And it just gives you that confidence space that someone like that or just people like that are like, yeah, I know she can go out there and do it. So yeah, it's just blows my mind. <laughs> That's awesome. Does Metallica or anything, they give you like a time limit or the, it's just like, go for it. So when it comes to most music interviews, they're like, all right, you have 10 minutes with the band, you have 15 minutes with the band. And then you, that, since I've been doing this for so long, I can literally feel what a 10 minute my mark is. And I, I just know I don't have any questions. I know the cadence, like everything. Um, I guess that's what happens when you do this for so long. But the thing is, um, most most music interviews are 10 to 15 minutes. And then they'll come to the side and give you like a two minute flash of their hands. So you stay on track for them. Because for a lot of those press junkets, especially for bigger bands, they're doing like 10 interviews in a day. So. Yeah, right. They want to get people in and out probably and give exactly. everybody everybody the same amount of time to, yeah. to do it. Now, for you, I know being an influencer as well, I mean, you you influence a lot of these products. You're representing a lot of products. You yourself have become a bit of a brand. Who are some of the products that you're kind of out there promoting now and being an influencer for? Yeah, so there are a couple companies I work with constantly. One of those happens to be Shein and Romwe. Both of those are like very big fashion brands. So working for them has just been amazing because I actually used to spend like way too much money on Shein, like way too much. <laughs> and then I wrote them on a whim saying, hey, I know you work with a lot of influencers. I'm doing this. And they wrote me back. And I was just like, no way like how is this possible i thought it was a joke kind of like the not fest thing at first and i searched her email and it was real and i was like ah they're not messing with me so i got to do that one which was amazing in the past i've had everyone from like bmw budweiser hot topic i've worked with converse before so it's kind of been amazing just seeing all these random like huge companies coming over you know, or I go to them, whatever it might be, however, however it ends up, uh, the fact that it happens, I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. Like, I'm not gonna lie, like everyone loves free product, but the fact that it's actually product that you love and you use and I wear all the time, that's the best part. Like you literally get to endorse something you're passionate about. It's not just like, oh, this person is paying me money to endorse it. I don't give a crap about this. It's like, no, I love everything I get to work with. It's been a, it's been a dream come true. It's not just like a sponsor. You're reading a sheet of paper. I mean, you're, you're really you're into the brands, oh. which is great. Oh, yeah. Like almost I say almost every day I'm wearing some kind of piece of clothing that was given to me for some kind of campaign. So it's yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> is that something where you're seeking out to be, you know, to, to build a brand to be an influencer or, or is that almost like the people are coming to you and wanting you for the for their brand? Yeah, it's been interesting for she and I reached out to them right, over right. over a year ago. But for the ones I mentioned, like um, BMW, they had an agency that reached out to me and that whole collaboration was insane because like they flew us to California. They put us up in like all these fancy villas and put us to parties and we got to drive around in their cars and go to Coachella. Like it was it was insane. It was amazing. And once I had a taste of that, that was my first real big influencer campaign. I realized, ooh. I'm only going to continue to grow my following and 
the people that support me and whatever I support. So then I started to actually go after it. So it's been a very nice combination of me requesting things and then companies randomly hitting me up, seeing that I'm verified that I have a following that cares. And then they say, hey, would you like to rep this? And, you know, a lot of them can be one-offs or some of them can be very consistent. So. Very cool. I was just curious on this because I've had some bad experiences. I have done probably one third of the interviews. I thought I did a lot. I think I've done 630 and you're okay. at 4500. I mean, which is just crazy. So I'm like, oh my God, I thought I did a lot. I guess not. Uh, I got a lot of catching up to do. But any bad ones, like maybe you don't have to name them, but any ones that you could think of, like, oh, that was terrible or that went off the rails or, or something like that. I've had a few of them, but you know, you never know. I mean, you had 4,500, any ones that you could think of that were just like, or even comedic. No, I've been very lucky in the sense where pretty much all of them have been good. I had one band that were just very pretentious and it was a short interview. I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I didn't say that, but the whole time I was like, you guys just, why be here? Why do any of our interviews if you just don't give a shit? Like it was very frustrating because uh, of course you go into this with your time, your research is time, money. It's just, it's frustrating. So there was that one circumstance, but other than that, like I've never had anything where it's been confrontational or that someone's been an asshole. Like, of course in wrestling, I've had a couple like that, but like, you know, it's uh, in terms of anything day to day for especially like music, it's, I've been really lucky. You've interviewed some pretty big uh, wrestling names. I mean, cream of the crop. A pretty impressive list as far as your wrestling career, for sure. Thank you. Yeah, it's been cool because I was able to get a lot of people who were up and coming and are now huge, or people who just happen to be big now, or a lot of WWE legends. So it's like a very cool like combination and plethora of different, uh, just all walks of life from wrestling. And luckily, a lot of them are very big names. So, <laughs> you know, that definitely helps with views. And then you get people who are... You know, like people just buzz it out anytime they're on television. That always helps. So, yeah, it's um, it's been really interesting being able to talk with so many different people at so many different levels of their careers and stages in their lives. Now, as we hit the wind down, head towards the finish, what's next for you? Like, what do you what do you got coming up? I know, obviously, you got some more NotFest stuff and some more MLW, but what do yeah. you got? What else do you got coming up? Honestly, it's just hustling every day, like new collaborations. I have some new brand launches to kind of announce and stuff like that in terms of working with new people. Uh, once the floodgates kind of open up, I am going to be working with a couple more bands and festivals when it comes to NotFest. Like that one opportunity has led to so many wonderful things. And I just can't wait to actually be out there touring and just like, I never thought I'd be on the road, even if it's just for a couple of days with a band like Slipknot. Like, it's just, what, what is this? So stuff like that's really exciting to look forward to. Of course, our MLW dates in Philadelphia, Dallas, and then Chicago over the following months. Uh, it's just crazy. So I'm just continuing to grow, get crazy interviews, big names, uh, up and coming names so people can kind of learn about them. And it's honestly just to continue to work hard and keep trying to grow. So I like to say... That. I like to say, like, what's in the can? What, any interviews you have in the can that you can kind of say, you know, that are, that oh, you've God. recorded already that are, that are out to come out that you can mention? Yeah, let me pull this up. There's the can for <laughs> um, So uh, recently I was interviewing, um, I have Savio Vega, Chris Dickinson. Oh. I've interviewed a lot of, a lot of bands recently. So like Juliana Hatfield, who's like an icon, Lily Cornell, who is Chris Cornell from Soundgarden's daughter. She's been doing a lot of really cool stuff. 
Um, I've interviewed Silverstein, who are like a big metal band, Atreyu, who are a big metal band, uh, Gary Newman, who of course is like the 80s absolute like icon, um, the Sheepdogs, who are like a big Canadian group. So I recently interviewed Some 41 and Lacuna Coil. So like, if you like punk rock or if you like metal, like I've just been all over the place. And then I have some pretty, I have like a couple big wrestling ones lined up that I'm excited about. And I'm also in the works for some big music ones. And then when I'm on the road or at uh, Knotfest, Iowa, I plan on interviewing like all of those bands. So for that one, we have uh, Slipknot, Lamb of God, Megadeth, Trivium are all on that tour, guys. If you want to come, go to knotfest.com. <laughs> you can see us in Iowa or on the Roadshow Tour. But there's just a lot. There's a lot in the can. Like the can's exploding. <laughs> Damn. How do you know which ones to release and when? You got so much stuff to go out. I don't. I'll just be like, oh, I feel like editing this this day unless there's a deadline. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's like a third of what I have in the can right now. It's been I interview like at least once a day. And that's just from my YouTube channel, because now that I'm hosting Knotfest every weekday, uh, I interview like one or two bands for them within an hour live stream. So it's just I'm interviewing like three bands a day. It's crazy. <laughs> Are you like a one man band? Do you do the editing graphics, all that stuff by yourself? Yeah, for my channel, everything is me. Like every logo that you see in terms of um, on my actual website is me. The layout is mine. Uh, my merch store, my Patreon, like every social post you see, I'm the one sending it out. Like everything is completely me. <laughs> well, is that a lot of pressure? I mean, because one person to do all that stuff, I mean, that's got a little bit, a little overwhelming. I know you're yeah. you're still young and you could you gotta get the energy for it, but it'd be a little yeah. overwhelming. It's a lot. Uh, some nights I'm like, just take a breath. You got to chill. But then I'm like, no, you should do this podcast or you should do this interview. Like, don't let it slip. So it's um, finding kind of that balance for sure has been difficult and it still is for me. But I'd rather, especially while I am younger, just try to do it all at once and get the content and make a name for myself. Because uh, I'm, already, I'm already feeling it in my knees and my hips. So it's just nice. like trying to do it all now. <laughs> uh, now, before we let you go, give us all the plugs. I know you got the YouTube channel, you got your Patreon. Give us all your social media, the Twitter, and everything. Yeah, honestly, I'm on pretty much every platform. So if you just want to follow me or say hey, even on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, type up Alicia too. You'll find it really easily. Or if you just go to one of my socials, my link tree is on it, and there you'll find everything for my Patreon, merch store, YouTube, Not Fest. Uh, everything is on there. So just search my name up and you'll find it on on the internet <laughs> all right alicia awesome stuff i have a lot of catching up to do uh, i'm only about four thousand behind you on interviews so i got a lot of catching up to do to catch up to you but you'll get there <laughs> yeah hopefully hopefully one day but thank you so much i appreciate all the time absolutely thank you for having me on this has been a john pause power trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling you could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies, brother. <laughs>